Hi, my name is Lindsay Adams, and you are listening to Mindful as a Mother. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for therapy or the therapeutic relationship, and the information given in this podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the advice of a professional. Welcome back to Mindful as a Mother. Today we have a really, really fun interview that I did with Cynthia Eidelman of Theramom. And we talked about a lot of different things, but one of the main things we talked about was communicating and roles in partnerships and how to split up responsibilities with the pandemic. So it's a really great conversation and I hope that you all enjoy it. If you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, and share with your friends. It really does help me so much and help get the podcast out there and more exposure. And if you've already done that, I appreciate it so much. So let me share with you Cynthia's bio. So she's the founder of Theramom, a place to learn all things family, mental health, and social emotional skills, promoting psychoeducation specifically on childhood mental health with the hopes of ending stigma around this topic. With eight years experience working in the mental health field, especially with school-aged children and teens, I have had success in developing or in helping families develop healthy communication skills, routines, and healthy parent-child relationships. I help parents learn about child development, what's expected and what's not, making them feel more prepared for any small or big bump that may come their way. And she really is amazing, guys. You're just going to love this. Um, Let me know what you think of it. And I hope you enjoy the episode. Okay, so welcome, Cynthia. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you, Lindsay, for having me and giving me the opportunity to be a guest in your podcast. Yeah. So tell the audience, um, we have your bio and they heard that before we started, but I just want you in your own words to share a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Um, I'm a mom and I'm a therapist, hence Theramom. And um, I'm a mom to two really beautiful toddlers, a boy and a girl. But my day job, should I say, is being a school therapist at a local school here in South Florida and just helping parents, staff, and students mostly navigate their everyday struggles. Oh, that's amazing. I have mad respect for school therapists because, so they refer a lot to me and I um, like coordinate with them a lot and they just have a really tough job. Like seeing these kids in a school setting, often you don't get a ton of time or sessions with them. Um, is Is that how you feel at work? Yeah. And each school year is different. This is my second year in this school. And interestingly enough, I started three weeks before the pandemic. Oh, what a wild ride it's been, I'm sure. Yeah. And then I was left just not even knowing if I was going to continue. Like if I had a job or anything, we didn't know how to navigate and transition the position to teletherapy and everything that that entailed. But every parent was like, thank you for calling me. Like, because I called them three weeks after or three weeks into quarantine. And they were like, yes, please. When can I meet with you? How can we make this work? 
And so it's, it's been beautiful to see how we've progressed and evolved and how there's just such a big necessity for this. It is, it is overwhelming and it can be a burnout at, at times. There's days where I don't even sit in my desk without a knock or an email or someone being in crisis, but it's, it is very rewarding. Yeah. And especially I think COVID has changed the whole therapy game in general, like recognizing the power that telehealth has and the making therapy accessible to so many people. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and thankfully, eventually I will say that the school made it work to the point where it's no longer teletherapy, unless the student and family chooses to keep their child at home. But I'm right. 90% live in school and we're in such a beautiful setting where I can just see them outside and take all of the precautions, but still be as therapeutic and as helpful as possible. And it's, it's really been working out and to see how much it helps them to have that space. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. It's very rewarding. Like I, like I how said. long was Florida out of school? March. So, so here they go by county. So I can't speak to every county. So I'm in Miami-Dade okay. and it stopped March 15th. Like I think it did for right. almost yes. everyone in, yes. in the US. And then from then we didn't go back until the first day of the school year, we were actually required to be back on campus. That didn't necessarily mean that all the students would be there, but that we needed to work on campus. Right. Okay. And then slowly they allowed no more than 15 students per class, per Uh classroom. And it slowly transitioned into most of them being back in school. So we started like, what, end of August, we started already being on campus. Cool. Yeah, that's what they did here. They did a, so each district, school district, it's Mm -hmm. not by county, but kind of, right, um, is different and so the one I my kids are in is they started going to school two days a week mm. and then they increased it to four and we're still at four days a week of school so, four. They don't. so not five not yeah. a full week Mm-mm. okay no we're at a full week and again it's it's at the parents discretion if they want to keep them fully online or on campus it, it's been a wild ride and it's been a learning curve it hasn't been perfect but I'm there and I'm so blessed to be given this opportunity. Um, The school found it very, very, very important to find funding to have me full time. And I want to share this because I don't know who's going to hear this. And I find it so important to advocate and and make sure that your kid's school has a therapist on site and the difference that it can make is huge. Yeah, especially in crisis situations. Mm hmm. Well, thank you for the work that you do in the school system. Yeah, how, you're welcome. <laughs> how did you, like, where did Theramom mm-hmm. come from? Where is this idea? Yeah. I love it. I love the name. I'm super jealous that I did not think of it, <laughs> but I'm very, I love it. And it's perfect for you. So, yeah, no, thank you. It actually, it didn't start as Theramom. I had a friend, another mom friend who pushed me for a year to get out there and spread the word and share what I do and put myself on social media. And I kept coming up with every excuse in the book. I'm too busy. I can't. Who's going to want to listen? Whatever. All uh of those that I'm sure we've all had at one point. And it was actually my work in the school 
because at one point I realized I was going session to session to session, meeting with parents, asked to give workshops. And it all was me saying the same thing over and over and over again. And the parents asking the same question over again, or the kids who are experiencing anxiety, um, ADHD, trauma, I give them the same skills. So I realized let me mainstream this and let me make it approachable and let me just wing it and, and get out there. And I did. And it's, it's been transforming itself into different facets. It didn't start as their mom, but you do have to keep it cool and find some sort of niche in marketing. And I'm like, well, I'm a therapist. I'm a mom. And I only give advice that I find has helped me as a mom. Yeah. That's so important. And I think I, the experience I've had is that therapy school does not necessarily teach you how to market yourself, uh, do an Instagram reel, any of those things. And so it's really awesome that you have, you know, taken it upon yourself to learn how to do that. And you're, I love your reels. You're killing it. Thank you. It's, it's exhausting, but I've, you know what, it's taken me as a human, uh, as a female out of my comfort zone and out of my own little anxiety that I experience from time to time and realizing that I can have an impact, that it is working on a personal level, but I'm also helping others. And it's just, I, I love it. And it's really been working out for the better. Oh, awesome. So what is your parenting philosophy? Mm-hmm. And I've been talking about that more and more lately on, on my Instagram account. I feel like I'm a mix. I feel like I'm eclectic in that sense because I highly believe in conscious parenting, but Mm -hmm. I continue to read on it, learn from it, hear podcasts. And I love the theory, but I agree with you. I I don't know where I heard it. I think it was a podcast that you said it was like very woo-woo, like very esoterical and mystical. and, And that's why sometimes I feel it's not sellable because how do we make that approachable? Like, give me everyday tips. I don't get it. Like, what are you trying to say here? Yeah. And so I love that part of it. I love the theory. I find myself that I'm an honest parent and that comes with good and bad. I'm not always going to be perfect. I'm going to have my bad days. I'm going to have days where I scream and I lose it. I'm Uh going to have days where I cry, where I'm exhausted. Um, But then I'm going to wake up. I'm going to try again. And I'm going to practice everything that I know. And I'm going to kill it. So, you know, I'm I'm like a day-to-day mom. And I I find myself where I'm at. I honor that. I respect that. Um, I don't try to be perfect mommy whatsoever. I love that outlook and just giving yourself that grace to have a bad day, to lose it sometimes and not always be a quote unquote conscious parent. I think there's a lot of the, the thing that irks me a little bit about that community. It's a great thing, like respectful Mm -hmm. parenting, conscious parenting, all those, there's so many names for what I feel like is a similar thing. Yeah. Yeah, It's all the same to me, but is that there's a lot of shame, like underlying if you don't if you make a mistake or if you don't always parent that way or if you don't word things exactly the right way or if you and and I just like I love the fact that you're like hey I'm a human I'm gonna have a bad day and that's okay like I I like to think of it as like authentic parenting like I'm just gonna be the best mom I can be today Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna try and watch how I say things but 
some of that stuff may come out and that's okay. And then how do we repair? Because yeah. that's why I also consider myself an honest parent because I'm humble enough and I've learned to do that, to say sorry to my kids Yeah. when I know, you know, I messed up. And, and so I repair that and I find like, that then my daughter and my son model that to me and apologize also. So it's a learning curve for all of us. But I find also if you put yourself on Instagram and you have a filter and you have a pretty post, no one is seeing behind that. And we've created a little bit of that shame culture where uh -huh. we're not allowed to talk about the bad days or maybe even um, depression, anxiety, and either it be as a therapist or as a mom, postpartum mm -hmm. depression, postpartum anxiety, rage, all of that. The fact that we've gone through COVID and people want to act like, oh, it's 2021. We left that in the past. We're suffering. It's, it's traumatic. Mm -hmm. And so we have to talk about it. And, um, people tell me, yes, you have, you have a cute reel and your kids don't misbehave. Yes, they do. And I misbehave also. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to have the, the bad days. I'm going to put it out there. And, and I know not everyone, you know, likes it, but um, I'm going to speak my truth because I find that other moms have found it helpful. Yeah. And I, like, I very openly share on my Instagram that I'm a mess. Like I lose, like I'm, I'm just a wreck. So like I, and I love when other therapists and moms do the same thing because there is, we've built this culture of like, everything has to be perfectly curated on Instagram. And that's just not how life is. No, it's pretty. But yeah. It's just not realistic. Yeah. Yeah. And I just can't maintain that for very long. My true you burn yourself out. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the main thing we kind of wanted to talk about mm -hmm. today was like parenting dynamics during COVID. So tell me a little bit about your story and the dynamics in your household during the pandemic. Since COVID? Yeah. Yeah. Or before, and then now <sighs> since COVID. It's changed even before, uh, you know what? It continually changes and flows because we change as male and female as husband and wife mm -hmm. our kids grow and evolve and so we're not going to parent an infant and a toddler as we parent two toddlers right we're not going to parent the same when now my husband is working from home every day but I go out and so we've changed the dynamics every day constantly mm -hmm. and so I feel like we have learned to check in with each other and we've started this culture of we need to check in consistently to make sure the flow that we have right now is keeping us sane. Mm -hmm. And we've had some honest conversations of saying, because there was a time, of course, that we were both working home with two toddlers. Mm -hmm. That was insane. That was just survival. Yeah. That was just survival. And every night we would check in with our planners, sit in front of each other with our planners and say, okay, you take the quiet room for two hours and I'm going to take the kids because you have a meeting and you have a client and oh my God, I'm taking a client call and my kid is screaming and she just fell and let me pause my session because my, my daughter is bleeding and it was chaotic. It was exhausting. It was, like I said, it was survival. And then it flowed to the kids being back in daycare and it got better and we talked again, we readjusted again. How is this going to work? Who's going to pick up the kids these days? Mm -hmm. We are just constantly talking about, about it, checking our planners. We have made it okay to say, 
at one point I'd even said, is it okay if we're in the same household and we don't even talk to each other one day? Because I just need my space. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it was okay. No one got offended, but we talked about it. I feel like that's just key. Talking yeah. about it with your partner to make sure that you're both on the same page and no feelings are hurt along the way. Yeah, and I think if you're not, your your marriage, which no one's marriage really does anymore, doesn't fit in those typical gender roles of like, you're a stay-at-home mom. I did air quotes. I don't know why I did that on Zoom. <laughs> anyway, but like, um, these are your responsibilities, right? And then you work and that is your responsibility. Whereas with both parents working, I think even without COVID, but COVID added that extra layer of like needing to communicate about what everyone's role is and what the responsibilities are. And, you know, who, and there's a lot of sacrifice going back and forth of like, okay, well, if the kids get sick, who has to leave work early? That's something me and my husband have had to navigate quite a bit because it's like, And it comes down to, you know, there can be arguments about someone feeling like their job is more important than the other person's job or, you know. So that happens to you too. Yes. Yes. Especially when the kids got sick. Yeah. Like who, who's supposed, am I supposed to cancel and rearrange clients or is he supposed to come home from work early? And there, you know, was never a conversation about that until we had kids who got sick and we just had to have that conversation and work that out. And it really is a case by case thing. But if we don't talk about it and say, I just cancel my clients all the time, I'll be feeling super resentful. Like he thinks his job's more important than mine. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just expected to cancel my clients. It should at least be a conversation so that if you choose as mom to cancel every time because you want to make that your priority or because it works for you, that's okay. But it shouldn't be imposed or expected. And I think the beauty of COVID, if there's a beauty in it, is that it has allowed couples to navigate that and to see each other's perspective. Because before my husband didn't really know what happened in this house, you know, between the hours of nine and maybe seven when he came back home. Yeah. He and- didn't know. And, and, and it was very frustrating. Then he got to know. And we've had that same conversation. Why is it me who's automatically canceling her day or leaving her work early? Right. And, and then sometimes I think we just take the, as females, we just take that on without ever having the conversation. And then we feel resentful without giving our partner an opportunity to step up or know that that's something that we would like them to do. Mm -hmm. And of course, talking about it, if your husband or your partner is not on board with it, what does that mean? You know, what does Mm -hmm. that mean? Because you can hit a roadblock and it could be a really big one. And I think that's why, unfortunately, so many couples during and post COVID, well, I can't say post because we're still in it, Yeah. but have unfortunately decided to separate because they've realized they are on total separate pages. And that's of course why we have so many women quitting their jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's so important to have that open communication. What have you found helps you do that when you feel like it's hard or you don't maybe necessarily want to? What has helped you stay engaged in your marriage in that way as far as communicating goes? Yeah, it's hard because we've had moments where 
I kind of like I swallow and I take it, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and I do it sometimes as well because reality is that he has the bigger paying job, right? The bigger paycheck. Yeah. So I understand that it would be very different for me to lose my job than for him to lose his job. So I get it and I support him in that. But of course, there's been that piece that, well, maybe I could have an even bigger paycheck if I, I would be able to work the same hours that you do, but I right. don't, right? It's been my choice 100% to do that. It's yeah. been 100% my choice. But at the same time, from time to time, he does, he's learned to approach me when he sees and can sense that I'm burned out because I'm more um, irritable or because I cry more easily or because I look disengaged or I'm asking for too many breaks doing the air right. quotes like you, too yeah, many yeah. breaks. Um, and so he's like, what, what, what's going on? Like, talk to me. And so we've learned it's not been easy. And sometimes he feels resentful because, oh my God, you're putting all of this on me. And I'm like, it's not, it's not really about you. You ask me like what's going on. So I'm telling you, mm -hmm. you know, that doesn't take away your effort. The fact that you're home, the fact that now you take the kids twice a week, you're home every night for dinner, you pick them up. Like right now he's picking them up so I can do this interview. Right. But he tells me and he's supporting me so much more and he understands and sees the huge effort that I'm making to not only be a mom, be a school therapist, and now be the founder of Theramom with all of these ideas in my head, right? So it's just been a learning experience for, for the two of us. It seems like it's really evolved from like COVID has been a in some ways, a beneficial thing to your family and marriage because it has forced you as a couple to look at the the roles you were playing in mm -hmm. in your marriage and in your family and um, forced you to evaluate and make some adjustments. And you've been able to do that because he's not leaving the house, you know, nine to seven every day because he's at home. Yeah, and sometimes it would be seven to seven. And I was alone, you know, all day. And we just revisit every week, you know, and I, I tell him, I've learned to tell him things in advance. And I know, I don't know about your husband, but he needs reminders constantly. Yeah. We use this app called Cozy, Z-O-Z-C-O-Z-I. I need to get we that. we put appointments and yeah. we put the, um, even the grocery shopping list. Oh, that's good. Yes. And so he doesn't call me every time when he's at Whole Foods Target or whatever. He just checks it. Right. And I that's put things nice. in there. And so it, it definitely helps with our communication to mainstream it and tell him things in advance. I put in the kitchen a family calendar as well. So I know when he has appointments or big things going on and I know as well. We just are checking in constantly and we leave minor things out you know, so we don't burn each other out constantly. Certain conversations don't need to be had. Yeah. Well, and I think something that I've noticed, because my husband is very forgetful and he will, he'll tell you that. So like I, we do the Google calendar thing now. Mm -hmm. So he has to like accept the invitation. So I know that he saw it, but that does not mean he'll remember it. Um, so what I, we've kind of set up this system where like, 
on Sundays, we'll go through and be like, okay, this is what's going on this week. I'm working these days. This is who has the kids these days. We figure all that out. But then the night before I try and say like, okay, remember tomorrow is this, this, or this. And just like that, that, you know, and, and when I let go of that expectation of, I used to get so upset because he didn't remember things and maybe I still do a little, but, um, like letting go of that expectation and just accepting that that's kind of just, you know, he's doesn't have a great memory and this makes things flow easier. I, there was less conflict. Mm-hmm. So he's not doing it to hurt you. Yes. Yeah, no. Personality. Yeah. And seems like it may be a male thing for some reason where they can't multitask like we do and that's okay. But then we set the reminders and we make things work for their personality and our personality and our needs and their needs, right? So it's it's been working out, you know, our, if you ask me what our routine and our re- unspoken responsibilities were six months ago, they have totally changed two weeks ago because two, for example, two weeks ago, I was super burned out and I'm like, I can't continue to do this. I feel like I need to either quit Theramom or tell the school to work less hours. There's no... The one thing about my kid's school is there's no early care. There's no aftercare. So it's oh. very like nine to three thirty. That's how it is here in Utah, because there's so many stay at home moms in Utah mm-hmm. that they don't like, that's just not a need that they usually mm-hmm. have in, in their school. They do have it, but because of COVID, how are they going to do it? Right. They would need to mix all of the, the levels, right? Right. And so we made a very conscious decision to say we're not going to do early or after because we feel like we need to control certain exposure mm-hmm. to a level. It's a choice, but at the same time, that does mean that I need help from him, like doing grocery shopping since he mm-hmm. works from home. Then he goes during his lunch break because I couldn't continue to be expected to do all of that and have a perfect dinner. And then I also told him like from time to time, if I feel burned out, we're going to order takeout. You know, and he's like, but no one expected you to do a beautiful family dinner all the time. I'm Hispanic. So, you know, it, it was my expectation that I needed to have a full meal, prepared meal every night. Yeah. So I, I was just thinking, like, I wonder how much culture plays into the expectations we put on ourselves, and sometimes the gender roles that kind of come up that we are like, seems like you're, uh, you're shifting those in your marriage, but that the culture could play a, a big part in that. It does. It does. I'm from Venezuela. I'm Hispanic. We're Jewish. Food is a big thing. Yeah. About dinner. And I'm like, you know what? I work. I work. There's no early. There's no after. There's no nanny or housekeeper every day. Like they usually is in our culture. And I get it. I respect uh-huh. it. I'm not resentful of it or or criticizing the families who do have it is just not our family right Uh so I told him like I'm I'm just gonna order Shabbat dinner when I feel like my week is is too long I love it yeah that's awesome and I love that you have recognized that expectation you had of yourself and said like Uh, I don't really like that. I'm just going to get rid of that expectation that I need to create a beautiful dinner every night for him. It it doesn't, of course, go every night because I do wish I could have the prepared meal, but I've started to let go. And and he's been very like, what do you, very receptive. He's like, I I never told you it needed to be, I'm okay with like eggs. I'm okay with tuna. 
yeah, yeah but I'm not okay. It was, it was a me thing. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So what other tips do you have for um, couples kind of navigating this shift in roles and responsibilities due to COVID or just life changes, um, mm -hmm. job loss, uh, moms going back into the workforce, anything like that? Yeah, so I think we have made it very clear that verbal check-ins are needed emotional check-ins are needed from time to time. It doesn't have to be a daily thing, but be very mindful if you know what your partner's trigger is. Notice, like I said, if they're more irritable, crying, sleeping later, even, even telling you that they have a lot of physical ailments or complaints, right? Because that's a source of stress. But at the same time, allowing each other to have spaces or gaps for self-care, um, at least once a week for sure and letting letting each other know what that would be right for me every Wednesday is a, a virtual gym class that I take oh I love that yeah and for him he can't right now because of he has he hurt his uh shoulder but he created his own gym in the basement and he watches all of these soccer tv shows and he does that and I don't bother him when I know he has his um headsets on on right so that's okay. You know, we create those spaces and it's okay to create those spaces. More so importantly, it's okay to get help. We also have to normalize that. If you yeah. need to do your own individual therapy. therapy, because I also started to realize that I couldn't continue to dump all of my struggles on him. He's not a therapist mm -hmm. and he can't keep neutral yeah. to my worries and my concerns and my emotions. So I also seek my own therapy in my own space. Yeah. And that's so important. And I, I have had this feeling before too, where like you hold space for people all day long and then you come home and you're just like, well, who do I vent to? Like people have been venting to me all day. <laughs> who do I? And then you maybe like unload on your spouse when that it's not the best time for them or it's not something mm -hmm. that should be unloaded yeah. on them. Yeah. It's also important, even if you are in quarantine and I don't know about your husband, but my husband, he he's for sure a work addict. And a oh, a hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. So sometimes I have to remind him, like, can we at least promise each other one day a week when after seven, like, or at eight, when we put the kids to bed, we're not going to work. We're actually going to have dinner together and stay together, watching Netflix, talking, whatever it is. Friday night, we sit by the balcony, we have our wine, he has his drink. And so it's our time. And of course, from time to time, when possible, planning dates and going out, if that's a yeah. possibility, but just keeping the romance alive and the connection, because I do find that when we don't, then we start being more resentful of the other. But we never said anything about it. We never planned to take time just for us, not as therapists or, you know, he's an engineer or as parents, but as husband and wife. Yeah. And I think it's so easy, especially with COVID and, you know, not having before care, after care to just go on autopilot and juggle everyone's schedule and that you forget that like, oh, this marriage relationship is really important and needs to be nurtured too, just like the parent-child relationship does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because of course, after 5 p.m. or as soon as you get your kids, it could be three, you're in mommy mode. 
And when does, you know, wife mode come in? Yeah, you have to, you have to be intentional about turning wife mode on. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I've told him that I've told him, um, it would it work today or tomorrow to not work after the kids go to bed. Mm-hmm. And it's a compromise because I also understand that he usually would work until seven mm-hmm. and now he doesn't. Sometimes he works until four or five to be with the kids. And so I understand he has to repair those two hours somehow. Mm-hmm. I get that. But we make an effort. We kind of like we plan it in. We plan date night. I love that. COVID date night. COVID date night because it's mostly Netflix and takeout. Yeah, that's what we... Yeah, we, we door dash and we watch shows on Netflix after the kids go to bed and that's our time together. So yeah, no phones. And we're like in bed by nine. Yes. In bed by yeah. nine. Okay. Yeah. See you then. <laughs> yeah. What you need to do. See you at nine. I love it. What um, do you schedule your self-care time in or how do you guys navigate that so that it's fair? Yeah. Well, there was a point during COVID that I really wanted to start exercising again because Mm -hmm. after having two kids back to back it was really difficult to schedule it in Mm -hmm. and there was always some sort of excuse again whether it be financial time-wise whatever it is and we found this great app um, that's really approachable in all senses and so I do like private lessons on my phone cool yes and he was very um accept not accepting that's not the word supportive yeah supportive to say perfect what days are you gonna do it perfect he's the one who scheduled it in you know and it started to be like two days a week and then I'm the one who said you know that's too much that's a lot of pressure on me so then I downsized to one day a week um and we scheduled it in just like just like everything again it was a conversation that we had where i clearly stated where my needs or what my needs were right if you don't clearly state your needs they're not going to guess it right and it's not going to get scheduled it's not so, going to get scheduled so i think a lot of times um, moms i talk to they aren't communicating like they're burnt out and maybe they're just communicating that they're burnt out but they aren't communicating, I need some time for me and saying, I'm going to take this two hour block on Friday or for me and Mm -hmm. and taking it that step further to have that communication and get that time scheduled. Because if you don't set it aside and put it in your calendar, it's never going to happen with kids. It just never will. No. And realistically speaking, I sometimes also take advantage of, let's say, for example, teacher planning day to leave a little bit earlier and do something for me or leave, get to work a little bit earlier and leave earlier before I have to pick up the kids, you know, and, and again, do something for me. I've made it work where I am also realistic of, you know what, the only time I can exercise is Wednesdays at 8 PM mm-hmm. and I'm going to do it. And not feeling guilty about that. Right. Like um, that. Yeah. You're off work early and you're not rushing to go do something with your kids. You're taking that time. Does guilt ever come up for you? Mom guilt? Yeah. When you said it, I'm like, eh. and mom guilt. Yeah. No, I, I have the Sometimes, same thing. Yes. Yeah. I don't know necessarily if I think it's wired in us. I don't know uh-huh. if necessarily it's ever going to go away. Yeah. But it's decreased. It's decreased because I noticed that if I am doing okay, I'm not as 
sensitive to certain things and I can handle my days better. I don't feel resentful. Mm-hmm. And I know then that when I am with my kids, I am fully present. I'm not physically tired. I'm not emotionally tired. For me, what triggers me the most is being emotionally tired. Not even so much physical, just emotionally tired. Mm-hmm. And that's got to be a hard balance with your job because it's a physically demanding job, right? And so if you're physically tired, then it's hard to be a present parent. Yeah, push through. I keep thinking, well, you know, I have them from four or 3.30ish, four until they go to bed at 7.38 and we're gonna make the best of it. Sometimes the best of it is a beautiful walk behind the marina that we have. And sometimes it's watching cartoons together and I kind of like close my eyes, but we're holding hands and it, it depends, you know? Yeah. I love the flexibility with that too. Like you can recognize like, hmm, not as emotionally available today, we're going to watch cartoons and I'm going to close my eyes and that's okay. Right. Like, and it's showing your kids how to take care of themselves when they are older and how to recognize and listen to that, what their body is telling them about what they need. Yeah, I think so. Because I also, I don't know where you live, but where I live is a very, high functional, lots of expectations. Kids need to be in a lot of extracurricular activities at a certain place. And I have these mommy chats from from the classes saying, let's join music, let's join soccer, who's interested? And I'm like, I don't wanna be anywhere at 4 p.m. after I worked all day. Mm -hmm. I don't wanna be anywhere. Yeah. And if I'm gonna be somewhere, it's gonna be comfortable and it's gonna work for me. And it will be in sweatpants. Yeah, that's what I'm saying about like, so I'm in Utah and Utah's very, um, so it's very conservative. It's mm-hmm. very middle-class to upper-class, very like everyone's all about like appearances, perfection, culture's a big thing here. So yes, like it's about how many activities your kids are in and how many instruments they play and stuff that really at the end of the day, to me, does not matter all that much. Suburb that I live in. Yeah. Same, you know, upper middle class, everything is manicured, mm-hmm. you know, um, expectations of how to be, where to be. And again, that's okay. It's not a critique. But I think sometimes we have to scale back and say, do I really want to do this? Do my kids really want to do this? Because they've been in school all day from nine to three. Maybe mm-hmm. they just want to rest. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they don't want to take piano or do. I think they will let you know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It it just shouldn't be forced, which goes back to the beginning of our conversation of conscious parenting, which one of the basis is to respect their wishes and not push our wishes upon them. Right. Right. And, and have them do things because of how it will appears to other people, I think is a big part of it here in Utah sometimes. Mm -hmm. Well, sounds like we live in a very similar place. I wish I lived in, are you in Miami or are Um, you? So I'm in, I guess people call it Miami. I'm in Aventura. So it's a very small city in Miami-Dade. Okay. Well, it just sounds warm there. And it's very warm, not warm here. So very warm. You have the beach close by. Come check it out anytime. I know. That's nice. That's so nice. So 
I'm going to switch you into school therapist mode for a minute. What is your biggest tip for parents um, to develop healthy relationships and in the family, healthy parent-child relationships, sibling relationships, things like that? For me, and if I go back to when you asked me, why do you want to do this? It's also because I found a gap in parents not giving enough importance to social emotional skills or what we also know as EQ, Mm -hmm. EQ over IQ, right? Mm -hmm. And letting them or giving them the skills, your children, the skills to have a growth mindset, Mm -hmm. having a growth mindset, teaching them about emotional regulation, emotion identification as well Mm -hmm. is key for their success. And so that your conversations and your relationship can grow better. I just feel like we don't give enough importance to those skills, which is why if, if you see um, some of the resources that I talk about, it's a lot of books on emotional regulation. I talk a lot about what to say and what to do to promote growth mindset. All of those things I feel are key for your child's success in the end. Right. I, lo- um, I love that. What's your favorite book? That so for, for parents or for kids? Uh, both. I want to hear each. Okay. So I'm a big fan of Dan Siegel just because I feel like he's very approachable. Uh, The whole brain child. The whole brain child or the yes brain. Oh, I haven't read that one. I'll have to read it. Read the yes brain because I feel the whole brain child was a little bit scientific and that's okay for us because we're very much into the brain. We're therapists. Yeah. But I feel for a parent, the yes brain is more approachable because it talks about how to develop and model skills of growth mindset. Oh, cool. Okay. Yes. I'm going to buy that right now. <laughs> yeah. And it's very approachable, very short. I love it for kids. I think it depends. I just have so many. I got a new one. It's called a little, what is it? I have it a little spot of feelings. And the reason I, a little spot of feelings. I like it. And I love it. It's because it comes with eight, emotions in different colors with the different facial expressions and it's very approachable for a child to understand and bring into their everyday life it comes with a mirror at the end as well so we check and we play with the different faces and it gives you also the different ranges of emotions because of course we know that anger can be from a zero to a hundred and that may look different in the body same with sadness or with happiness so those are books that I read all the time to my kids and we continue to just read over and over again. And I can see my daughter being able to identify in herself and in others, just basic emotions like sad, anger, happiness. She even tells me like, I'm relaxed, mommy. I'm just relaxing. Oh, (laughs) that's so awesome when they get it. Like when Mm -hmm. you, you're, you're like modeling and talking about emotions and they, they use it and communicate it. You're like, yes, mom would. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, mommy, leave me alone. I just want to relax. I love it. Um, so I'm like, okay. So that leads into, so you had a mom win. So on my podcast, people submit their mom fails. I want to hear a recent mom fail that you've had. Yeah. So I told you that yesterday I was having a really off day. It wasn't necessarily as a mommy. It was just very overwhelming in general. I had a lot of deadlines at work that I needed to keep 
while at the same time I planned this big birthday party for my daughter in school since we can't have right big party outside of school and I made sure my husband and I made sure that she had everything she asked for a bounce house a unicorn piñata the unicorn cupcakes all of that yeah I went to bed really late you know on Sunday making sure that she had everything and here I am thinking everything's loaded everything's in the box everything's perfect and then the teacher kept texting me like Hey, mommy, and you know, you have 16 of everything, but we're 17 kids. And I'm like, okay, hey, mommy, did you um, bring candles? Hey, mommy, you know, she kept telling me and it, it was so small, but here I am trying to navigate my day job and I'm right. getting constant messages telling me, well, you thought you planned it perfectly, but you forgot even the smallest thing. Right. And I just didn't know how to navigate the two at a time. It was just very stressful. And then to make it worse, I had a drive by. It was like a little incident where it was very awkward. And this lady out of nowhere started screaming to me in front of my kids, you're a terrible mom. You're a terrible mom. And I'm like, I don't even oh my know gosh. you. Yes. Long story short, I'm not going to go into it. But of course, after you're already feeling inside, like you yeah. failed today, I just ended up crying because I just couldn't keep it together. But that was yesterday. Oh, are you feeling better today? <laughs> yes, 100%, 100%. And it was funny because going back, everything full circle, how my husband helped me, he was really asking me, what do you need? And trying to put things in perspective. And I kept telling him, I know that from the outside, all of the things I'm telling you are ridiculous and they don't make sense and none of it is valid, but that's just how I'm feeling right now. Mm -hmm. And, and it's important to, to honor that feeling and just let yourself cry and have that moment so that you mm -hmm. could, you know, get up today with a fresh start rather than having to relive those feelings again, because you were trying to pretend they weren't there or numbing them or doing I think things. that's what was happening I was numbing them and the reality is that as moms especially as full-time working moms we have this pressure to keep it all together to do very very well at work meet all of our deadlines but at the same time the pressure of being a mom and when those two feel like they're not working out it can be exhausting but like I said honest parenting I had a bad day yesterday and that's it wasn't no I have to rephrase that because it wasn't a bad day. There were bad and stressful moments, mm -hmm. right? And I right. had to honor how I was feeling. I cried it out for a little bit and I'm having a really good day today. And that was yesterday. Good. Did your daughter enjoy her birthday party? Oh my God. Yes. See, yes. that's all that matters. Like exactly. who mean, cares that one person didn't handle? Yeah. Yeah. No one cares. She doesn't care. The kids don't care. Exactly. Exactly. No, I think it was beautiful. And like I said, there were just like stressful moments throughout the day where you just question your ability to do certain things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when they add up, that's when it's like the tears. Here yes. come the tears. Yeah. So tell everybody about what services you offer and where they mm -hmm. can find you. Yeah. So on Instagram, they can find, find me on at thera.mom at Thera Mom. Um, 
right now I'm developing my website so that I'll keep you posted on okay. that because that's I don't happening. have a website. I'm... That's happening behind the scenes. That's why it. lately I've been showing myself a little bit less on Instagram because I have to develop that. And there's a lot that you guys don't know out there of everything that comes, you know, or that needs to happen for, for that to. Are you doing your own website? No, I'm not. I'm having someone, but at the same time, they give you like little, well, not little, like tasks anywhere from the pictures that you want in it. So I had my pictures taken to what's your bio, what's your why, what do you want in it? Where are you going from here? So it, there's some pressure in it. Yeah. So I, on my website, I don't even think is functional because it is so overwhelming to even think about that. I haven't even gotten there yet. So I'm yeah. very proud of you for, for getting it done. Yeah. So my husband sometimes tells me, he's like, you've been doing this for less than six months. So slow down and don't put so much pressure. It's going to come. And don't compare yourself to others and what they have or however many followers they have or the programs and the resources, just pace yourself and really try it for at least a year, uh-huh. you know, so you know that you've tried and if this is something that you want to continue. Oh, yeah, that's a good, a good point. Yeah. So right now you can find me on Instagram on at thera.mom slowly. I will, I told you, I'll create a podcast, but it will be in Spanish because unfortunately there's not that much out there in Spanish regarding maternal mental health. I'm excited for that. Yeah. I'll listen even <laughs> in Spanish. I'll just have to put Google Translate next to it. And then I can Yeah, just... I, I feel like if, you know, I, I want to help the Hispanic community normalize certain conversations. And I was really searching on Spotify and Apple podcasts and I kept hearing and I'm like, I don't want to hear this, but then I hear you and I hear other podcasts and I'm like, yes, why don't we have this in Spanish? So it's coming, it's slowly coming, but I have to remind myself to pace myself because reality is that I am mostly a school therapist for now. And just DM me if you feel, if you're in Florida and you feel you want to work with me, Feel free to look me up on Instagram and DM me. And I don't know if you want to share on the podcast, my email as well. That's fine. And everything else will come and will fall in place little by little. Yeah. I'll post your, uh, like your headshot and your email, uh, when I do the promoting for this. So that will be there so that they can find you. Mm-hmm. Reality is that I can't burn myself and put myself in too many places because I will crash. So the transition has to be yeah. slow, but yeah. I'm very excited when I have moms that call me and want to work with me. And I have to say, I've had dads call me as well and say they want to work with me and improve on certain things on their parenting. So I'm very proud of that and very thankful for that. So I'm probably will not turn you down if, if you ask for help. Okay. I, well, so if you're in Florida, I know there are a couple listeners in Florida, so mm -hmm. reach out if you need help. Yeah. Ria, as a therapist, you know, that ethically and legally I'm, I'm yeah. licensed in Florida. Yes. If you want a parent coach to help you with certain things, I'm not going to diagnose. We're not going to do a treatment plan. I can for sure be of help and of support. It's just not going to be as a therapist. Yes. So there's the coaching hat mm -hmm. and then the therapy hat, and they are two different hats for ethical There's reasons. limitations, right? Yes. To yes. being a coach. 
Okay. Well, thank you so much. Um, I cannot wait to hear your podcast. No, thank you. I'm excited. Thank you for giving me this platform. And I just love meeting other hardworking moms. And I mean, reality is that we're all hardworking moms, but even more so when it's another fellow therapist who's helping others and still somehow helping yourself. Yeah. Helping your kids. Oh, thank you. All right. Thanks for listening to the interview. I hope you loved it. Let's uh, talk about mom fails. So there was a theme this week. It was times you have been victimized by your child's urine. And I got a lot of responses to this one. Some talked about urine. Some talked about poop. Some were off topic. My own is off topic and that's totally okay. I'm always here for a good mom fail. So I'll just start with mine. Um, I was getting the kids ready to go somewhere. I think it was the park this week. And um, my girls are still potty training. So they wear diapers when they nap. And it was after nap time. So I was in the process of changing Ella from a diaper to underwear. When she just disappeared. I couldn't find her anywhere. And I guess Sam knew we were going to the park. Had opened the front door. And I go out front and Ella is out front completely naked running around and there's cars going by and I was mortified. And so instead of coming to me at this point when I open the door and say, Ella, come here, you need to get underwear on, she runs away and takes off up the street. So I have to chase her up the street while she's naked on the bottom. Luckily, she had a longer shirt like dress on and so hopefully no one saw anything but Oh gosh, kids, man. So that was my mom fell is like, uh, pay better attention to them when they are naked or maybe all the time. <laughs> Someone responded to my Instagram story and said, sorry, I've only been victimized by poop this week. And, you know, maybe we'll have a poop themed one next week. I have a lot of stories about my girls and poop. So it, I, I could do a whole podcast on that. Anyway, so someone did share a poop story, changing their son's diaper, and he started to poop. I put it back on and let him finish, wiped him, and he started to poop more. This happened three more times and two diapers later. When I finished, I realized I had poop on my knuckles. And that is, ugh, parenthood. Poop on everything. Chocolate or poop is a thing that is common in our house, like smelling something and hoping that it's not poop. There was also something on our baseboard the other day that could have been poop. And I just cleaned it. I didn't investigate because I don't want to know. I just don't want to know. Okay, here's someone else's. Uh, my littlest thinks it's hilarious to pee on you, whipping it out and peeing on you. He has good aim too. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, one time I was in the bathtub, I think, and Sam came in and peed on me and I was like great this is this is weird he was like three I think this is weird and not appropriate so we had to tell him that you don't pee on people I think boys especially like because we teach them to, that they can pee outside are more likely to just like whip it out and pee anywhere whereas girls you know have to pee on the potty and it isn't as easy to just pee outside Anyway, those are some of the mom fails that I got this week. I'm going to keep them short just because this episode was my longest yet, but I really hope you enjoyed it and I will share some of the other mom fails next week.
Also, next week will be a solo episode, my first solo episode in like four weeks. So I can't wait for that. And I will catch you next week. Be peace, be love, be mindful as a mother. If you want more of Mindful as a Mother, you can find me on Instagram at Lynn's underscore Adams LCSW. Once again, at Lynn's L-I-N-D-S underscore Adams LCSW. Thank you.